welcome back to Midlife at the Mailbox. I'm your host, Amy Alexander, and today we're talking resumes. I'm curious how many of our listeners have ever been impacted by a layoff or a reduction in force. If I can make an educated guess, I would estimate that at least 40% of people have been laid off or terminated from a job at least once in their life. Fortunately, yep, I'm saying fortunately, you could even count me and today's guest as part of that 40%. If you are listening carefully when the episode began, you'll notice that I didn't mention my co-host Denise today. Wondering why? Stick around and find out. so much for joining me for another episode of Midlife at the Mailbox. Over six years ago, during a chance meeting at our neighborhood mailbox, two strangers met and a new friendship blossomed into something bigger. Although we no longer share a mailbox, we're closer than ever in real life. This chance meeting at our neighborhood mailbox inspired a friendship, a business relationship, and now a podcast. So come along and listen in. I can't wait to introduce you to our special guest for today. The marketer in me will tell you that your resume is part of your job search marketing tool. Marketing yourself is hard. I can attest that I could talk all day about myself and when I was suddenly let go from my position during the pandemic. I can tell you where I was when I got the call, how I felt afterwards, and what it took me to move forward. At the time, I didn't see getting laid off as a blessing. I just thought, what am I going to do? I also thought about how I was going to have to update my resume, something that I had not done in many, many years. As a girl feeling down on her luck, I connected with my friend, and together we put together a plan to move forward. Today's episode, it's not about me or my experience being laid off suddenly from my job. However, I felt it was a good segue into introducing my guest today, my co-host, Denise Rabat. Welcome, Denise. Hey, Amy. I'm on the other side of the microphone and the mailbox today. It feels a little (laughs) different, but I'm excited. (laughs) I'm excited. Uh, I'm so happy that you're here and you're our guest on this episode. Yeah, it's our, well, the ninth mailbox episode. Um, the so, ninth. Uh, yes, I know. So this is fun. So yeah, resume, resume, resume. It's something that often comes up in conversations, right? And as Amy shared with you briefly during the story earlier, um, the candidates that I work with as a career coach, you know, the most often requests I get from friends and family too and everyone is, hey, Denise, I haven't updated my resume in so long. Like, can you help me update it? And, you know, I usually just stop for a second and I, I don't immediately reply and because I rarely want to jump in and say, hey, let's rewrite this thing um, when I'm actually helping people transition to a new job or career because it's actually not the first thing that I usually do with people. Hmm. I can't wait to hear more about that. So we're going to talk shop about resumes. Uh, as Denise mentioned um, briefly just a second ago, she's a career transition coach and a resume specialist. And in the past two years, she's worked with over 500 professionals and reviewed a lot of resumes, <laughs> including mine, working in private practice and consulting for Lee Hiked Harrison, LHH, a career transition firm that provides these services. 
Um, additionally, she also does her own private practice through Denise Rabat Career Coaching. Um, and so she is going to share what the current trends are, what professionals are are um, should be focusing on in their updates, formatting, and so much more. So before we talk resumes and get down to the meat and potatoes of the episode, I wanted to catch up because it's been, uh, I feel like we're a little overdue for this episode, but August has been a little crazy. You were in Greece. Uh, we were finishing up the end of summer. Um, so I wanted to just catch up and share if there's been any midlife moments that have popped up <laughs> over the past few weeks. Well, I'm so excited. I still get to do my midlife moment on the other side of the mailbox sure. um, as a special <laughs> guest. But uh, yes, it's been a really fun, exciting and yeah, kind of busy August, right? In a good way. So it was, I was thinking about like the podcast a lot when I was on my trip and, and I, I took the trip guys, that was episode like two or three. And then I also, I said, yes, that was episode nine to, to fun uh, while I was gone too. took my kids to Disneyland. So um, I feel like I've got a lot of myth and I dated my mate when I was on my trip. That was like episode <laughs> five or six. So I feel like I've been living the podcast. Um, and so I've you've been, been taking your own advice. Yes, yes. My mom reminded me of that, actually. Thanks, mom. When I decided at the last minute to take my kids to Disneyland, despite, you know, being jet lagged and tired and, and worried if I was going to catch COVID again. But I said, you know what? I said no so many times to my kids for Disneyland the last year. I said, I'm just saying, yes, it feels good. We're just going to roll with it. So, um, so how was it? So. Did you feel good while you were there? Yeah, we had a good time. It was fun. It was a good time. I, I'm glad we went. It was my little guy said it was the most fun thing he did all summer. Um, Aww, so, that felt uh, good. Yeah, that was good. It was fun. And um, I even went to a family wedding. My husband, uh, someone in his family got married last weekend. And and so it was kind of like all these full circle things, right? We were talking to a lot of his cousin's children, actually. And they're, you know, they're in their early 20s. And so I had a couple midlife moments there, right? Thinking, oh, my goodness, these these kids were like, you know, they were six, they were my kids' age, my, my little one's age when I got married. And, you know, now they're, they have spouses or girlfriends or boyfriends and they're finished with college, let alone high school. And, and it was just, it was fun being there with, you know, seeing that progression and seeing, you know, these, these, you know, really cute and, you know, smart individuals grow up. But now they're, you know, anyway, and I was telling them that and Chris was like, oh my gosh, you sound like my like an auntie, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, it's true. He's like, stop saying that. I go, well, you know, there's no getting around it. I'm I'm in my midlife now. (laughs) You're in your midlife and you're, I I feel that way too. Yeah, I'm owning it, loving it. That was my overall, uh, I've been having a positive midlife in August. It's been all good things, so. Good, 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 good. Well, I'm excited. How about me? Um. So I realized the other day, so Caleb is an only, um, and we got him a phone. This was my husband's idea. He wanted him to have his phone uh-huh. for the beginning of the summer. I wasn't ready yet, but he was ready. So we, 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 we did it, <laughs> but with him getting the cell phone and talking to his friends and texting and 
you know, his boundaries around our house have extended, you know, to they, they can go a little bit further. And, you know, he's got all of his communication devices. I'm like, just realizing that he's like becoming this tween. And, you know, the other day, like one of his friends, parents, like took him over to their house for like an afternoon. And Mike and I were like, what are we going to do? So, you know, mm-hmm. it's just... It's well, he well, well, my midlife moment is like realizing that he still certainly needs me, right? He can't cook, he, you know, he could do his laundry, but you know, he still relies on us for certain things. And obviously, he can't drive, but he's also learning how to be independent from us. And um, that's a cool, it's very cool to see, but it's also just kind of like how you feel talking to your family, you know, and knowing like they were, you know, when you got married, they were your kid's age. Right. And now mm-hmm. they're, they're the opposite. You know, I feel like this, like you're just like, you're just, you're now becoming like this passenger in their life in some respects. Um, and I know it's only gonna, it's only gonna change and become more, you know, from the <laughs> sidelines as they get bigger, but um yeah, that's that was kind of this kind of realization that I'm like, damn, like I really need to up my golf game and find some hobbies. <laughs> so it's good that we have our podcast hobby. Focus back on you or episode one, pursuit of happiness, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All all good things. Um so yeah, that was that's kind of my midlife moment is nice. is, is yeah. that realization. Well, it's back to school time too. It feels, you know, it's Things tend to get real, right? This time of year. So it's a good thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're going to jump into the episode. And when we were preparing for our topic, I, you know, if, if you're a career person or you utilize LinkedIn, you might have seen people in your network um, commenting on some layoffs over the past few weeks. Um, I noticed it first off because I'm connected still with uh, a large number of my former colleagues from when I worked at Groupon, and they had a big layoff and then continued with Peloton, Shopify, Wayfair, and more. Uh, I actually saw an article in CNBC today that 50% of firms anticipate a reduction in overall headcount in the next six to 12 months. So that was that's kind of like daunting. But also on the flip side, it's a very strong market for jobs. So while there are companies, there are a good number of companies that are laying off employees, there are also a lot of companies that are still hiring. Um, so I did think that it would be a good idea to kind of talk about this now and for Denise to be able to offer, uh, some resume tips to the audience that, you know, that you guys listening to see, you know, if you are in this position that whether you have unfortunately been laid off or you're considering making a move in midlife to a different organization, um, some of the things that you need to do. So Denise, I pass the baton to you. Oh, thank you. Yes, I can't wait to talk today. This is what I get passionate about. This is what I get a lot of uh, personal vitality from. I've been doing it since like probably the early 2000s um, in terms of just helping people personally uh, with their 
career journeys, I would always be the person that someone kind of came to and said, hey, can you take a look at my resume before I even had a master's in career counseling or before I even like was formally trained in it? I just love doing it, you know, and I can't really tell you why, because most people, when they hear the word resume, uh, it's painful, right? You know, updating your resume can be excruciating as like going to the dentist or probably right up there with buying a car at a car lot, right? It's just, uh, it's just painful for most people. And I can understand why, but um you know, you know, when you're talking about resumes, it, excuse me, we talk about layoffs and, and, you know, just corporate shifts happening. I mean, the reality right now, or even I'd say the past like 10 to 20 years is that most people have been touched by some sort of restructuring or reduction in force. If you've worked in corporate America, because it's just the reality of corporate change, right? Publicly traded companies are often trying to contract in certain times, um, growing in other times. And so a lot of these, these big, economic forces are affecting people's work a lot more often than they were in the past. And so, you know, that's why, you know, 40% of people, I would argue that's probably even higher that somebody has been, you know, affected by something, uh, especially if you're maybe, you know, in the earlier side of your career, you know, this could be happening to you every couple of years. I mean, it's happened to me twice. No, three times, three times. Ooh, three uh, times. And, yeah, three times. Yeah. Once at a smaller firm that hurt the most. Um, then the second time, was at a larger corporation when I was a Warner Music Group um, in the early 2000s. And and then, um, you know, fast forward to 2019 and when I was, uh, when my role was impacted at Symantec. But, you know, every time I've grown and learned something new, and I think that's, you know, a, and the taboo has actually changed. It was it was definitely taboo in 2002 when it, or one when it happened to me more. It, it felt personal. Uh, in 2004, it was uh, a little less personal, but I still had some shame around it. But I was just reading some article in the BBC today, and I would absolutely say this is true, just having spoken to over 500 people in the last two years, is that you know, these corporate shifts happen. And most of the time, it's not personal to your performance. It's just due to uh, shifts in the marketplace or shifts in your company that just really are uncontrollable, right? So using it, you know, even though it, it is personal, because it's your livelihood, potentially, sure. and everything else, um, using this as an opportunity, right? So and right now, there is some interesting shifts in the job market, right? There are, yes, there are a lot of companies hiring. But yes, there is more layoffs there are we're seeing more layoffs um than we have in the last year right but definitely less than in 2020 uh when i first was started consulting doing uh for lee heck harrison um you know it's early in mid to 2020 i mean uh, we couldn't there wasn't enough time in the day to talk to people um you know about that so it's definitely better than in 2020 when we were seeing um, huge shifts in the labor force due to the pandemic and the uncertainty with supply chain and, and everything else, right? I mean, things are not to that level, but you know, in that round of layoffs, I talked to people that had been hadn't probably ever experienced a layoff before. People that had been with their corporations for 20, 30 years, and that was, um, you know, that was a big shock for them, uh, especially given the generation. A lot of baby boomers and that were affected by that some of them actually eventually decide to retire and so this could be you know seen as you know a potential opportunity to really open your eyes and 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 do something new so uh you know speaking of residents because that's what we're talking about today um it's back to school time and you know for a lot of people that also means thinking about career transitions um could be because of the economic forces but there's a multitude of reasons why right um summer vacation is coming to an end People start thinking more about ending the year with a new job or career. Maybe it's a leftover, 
New Year's resolution that you didn't get to. Um, but, you know, some people are also parents with young children. And, you know, when the kids are back in school, they can focus again on working full time or part time. And, you know, now that the pandemic seems to be normalizing and schools are, you know, back in session for the most part, you know, there's there's just a lot of shifts. And, and I, I see a lot of people who probably more midlife than I have lately thinking about reentering the workforce. So, um, you know, on the flip side for employers, it also tends to be a busy hiring season because a lot of teams are back from vacationing, um, especially if you're a part of like a multinational or global team. Uh, you know, in Europe, for example, a lot of the those a lot of you know, countries take, you know, annual vacations in the summer and just completely sign out. So now that those, you know, individuals are back um, in the office, they're finally hiring up and can do the interview, you know, go through the interview process again and kind of finish that the year strongly. So those are some of the forces um, at hand and why this time of year and why we decided to talk about it. But, um, you know, about the resume itself, it never hurts to look at your resume, right? Um, you know, in fact, many career coaches recommend updating your resume on a monthly basis, keep it fresh, you know, and to avoid that stomach turning feeling of updating it before your next job hunt, right? Because that's the worst part, the scramble, right? What did I do like two years ago? Oh, my gosh. And, you know, I some people come to me and said, I haven't updated my resume in 10 years. I don't even remember what I did. And, you know, that's just, <laughs> that's not a good feeling, right? So trying to do it monthly is great. Do I do it every month? Uh, you know, I'll be honest, no, but, you know, it's a good exercise. And if I was actively working in a corporate role, I, I probably would. And, and so I highly suggest that. That's a good tip. That's a good tip. When's the last time you, you updated your resume, Miss Amy? Well... <laughs> uh, the last time I updated my resume was when you and I were working together back in what, 2021, um, the spring, spring, summer of 2021. Mm -hmm. But we also then kind of talked about my story. So we, we, we built a whole kind of branding piece of, around the resume that actually wasn't our top line goal, but it was kind of building in all of the things that, you know, I've been doing over the past, you know, since I had last updated it five years, four years, um, you know, to be able to be able to tell that story and to be able to, you know, translate it off, you know, to a resume format. Yeah. And I mean, the re yeah, exactly. And we did that just because, you know, I said in the preamble that you know, a lot of times when people come to me and a friend or a family member or even a client, potential client, they'll say, oh, I need to update my resume. I always think, ah, like, you know, well, we got to do a lot of work before we do the resume. The resume, if done right, is simply a writing exercise, right, along with your LinkedIn profile. But it's really thinking about, like, your professional brand, right? And, and that people will probably say, what? I'm not a I'm not a product. I'm not a service. I don't need a brand. But you but are. Yeah, but you actually, everyone is. Everyone has a brand, whether you, you know, whether you confess or, or you know, know it or not, right? You're known for something, uh, you know, within your community, within your network. Uh, you know, it, it, it matters. And and articulating that, kind of being on the offensive, right? Being able to share, these are my strengths. This is what I'm good at. This is the foot I want to put the foot I want to put forward uh, to display to the corporate world and to my, not even the corporate world, but just to my professional network and to potential employers is important. And it, it's not, it, it takes some thinking. It's not, you know, it's not a three hour update on your resume, right? That's why, you know, if people come to me asking me to update their resume, I'm like, ah, we got to start five steps before that. 
No, and that's really interesting um, because I think it's hard. It's 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 hard to put yourself out there in a written format. Um, at least for some, I know for me, you know, both of us, right? We have our own consulting practices. So as part of our own exercises, we need to be putting ourselves out on social media, right? And kind of telling our story, you know, consistently. This is a side note to the resume, but it does tie in together in the sense that you have to start to feel comfortable with being able to talk about yourself to other people, right? And being able to put that out there and actually posting on LinkedIn and actually, you know, putting out content that allows you to be that expert. Sure. Because, you know, there's no one in the world just like you. And I know that's something like, you know, maybe <laughs> someone told you in your life, but it is true, even from a professional level, right? It is, is that you bring a unique skill set to the table um, and a unique set of experiences. And, you know, if there's something you do in your career, a lot of times people say, I'm really good at doing, you know, this thing, this X, this thing, but I actually don't really want to do that anymore. I want to do Y. I want to do like, you know, this other thing, because I really am interested in it, interested in it, and I'm really passionate about it. So I said, then why don't we talk about why we're not going to get rid of X, because, you know, it shows your work experience and what you do, but we're going to really put in the forefront and talk about in your brand and your, in your, you know, in your tell me about yourself story and you know, interview process and in your LinkedIn profile, we're going to really talk about why, because why is what's going to, you know, make you happy, right? Make you feel vital, make you, you know, get the type of role or have the type of conversations that you want to have. And so that's why it's important to talk about that brand. And that's really been a shift. You know, I, I can't say for certain, but, you know, the last like at least five to 10 years, right? Talking about your brand and and, and that was different when we started working together. I remember you telling me that I was like, my brand, like I'm well, you know, I know brand from marketing. I can brand my my clients businesses, but branding myself, that was very, very not like a comfortable practice for us or for me when we were working together. I I remember that, but, you know, we've obviously talked about that if it's been a while since you updated your resume and we're kind of chatting about these branding statements and things that you should be, you know, that you should be doing, you know, regularly and various Mm -hmm. exercises. So, you know, tell me like, if it's been a while since you've updated your resume, what are, some trends that you're seeing in the resume world, you know, kind of break it down for, for, for those of us who haven't updated our resumes in a while. (laughs) Absolutely. So first one, and we've already kind of touched on it is branding statements, right? Or the concept of a brand that the professional, the individual that is representing the resume is a brand, right? Uh, Gone are the days of objective statements. If you remember, you know, even 15, 10, 15 years ago, a lot of resumes, I still see some with the objective statement, objective to get a job as an administrative assistant working in the real estate industry. Um, while that's you know, not horrible, it's definitely not the standard any longer, right? Why, um, why, why is that? Why do you think that that has shifted? Don't you think that's limiting? Your objective is to 
get one job, right? Versus telling that's really defensive, right? Like what if they didn't, what if they considered you, what if they could consider you for something else, right? What if they would, you'd be a great office manager. You'd be a great account manager. Why, you know, why do you need to pigeonhole yourself and just be considered administrative assistant by just putting that parameter around what your objective is, um, especially if it's very, um, it's very narrow, like the one I just mentioned, like to find an administrative assistant, a challenging role as an administrative assistant in the real estate industry. It's just limiting yourself, right? Instead of thinking broader, right? Thinking about flipping it around, right? In a branding world, you might put, you know, administrative professional is your is your is your title, your branding statement. And then talk about, you know, had five years as working as in, you know, in a fast paced environment at, at the top five, uh, you know, in the top five real estate brokerages in the country, uh, supported two realtors, you know, there were, you know, million dollar plus, or, you know, million, million dollar club real estate agents. And, you know, you, you know, and just so on and so on. Sure. I'm just real, I'm riffing that completely. But, you know, and, and, and instead of talking about, you know, you want to be an administrative assistant, but why not talk about everything else that you've done, right? And, and so that's kind of the concept, right? It's not to pigeonhole yourself into one role or one one thing it could be a lot of different things right so um i was listening on... well i was going to say one thing i was listening to a podcast recently um that was actually touching on similar not about mm -hmm. like fully resumes but just talking about how the jobs that you do even tweaking the what the job description, right? So you talked about the administrative assistant. So for example, if you are a copywriter, maybe right now people aren't really looking for copywriters, but this is the example. You can write copy for any platform. So starting to put on your resume that you are a UX copywriter. So that would be like a user experience person mm -hmm. that can talk about, that, that can write about things for websites. And so that's though, like finding the appropriate buzzwords. So would those be things that you would work with your candidates on is finding buzzwords to tweak more generic you know, job titles like a copywriter, if that was something that somebody was coming to you that they recently got laid off and they're looking for something new. Does that make my question make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah. I'm reverse engineer, basically looking at job descriptions that you're, you know, you aspire to be applying to and trying to reverse engineer by putting a lot of those search terms into your resume so that the application tracking systems or the ATS, you know, basically the online, you know, the online application systems will pick up enough keywords in your resume that will then signal a human to take a look at it, right? Because the average, mm -hmm. um, you know, the average resume, if it doesn't have an 80% match rate of the words on your resume match the, the job description, it won't even be seen by a human more than likely, especially uh, for roles that are, you know, highly competitive. So you want to do that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, tweaking that. Yeah, and just keeping yourself open to opportunities. So the whole concept of a branding statement instead of the objective statement is just a way to like keep your options way more open and and be on the offensive, right? Talking about what you have done, different industries, you know, maybe you have worked for five years in real estate, but you really want to break into entertainment, right? We can, you know, maybe you did an internship in entertainment. Somehow we can weave that into the branding statement. Maybe you're taking a course at a community college to get experience in you know, how to break into the entertainment industry. We can talk about that. That'll help your search term, you know, match success rate. Things like cool. that. 
You know what? Before you go on, because we've talked about a little bit, it's the ATS. Is that what Uh you just said? Um, That was something I remember when you and I started working together that you had mentioned to me. So if someone hasn't been looking for a job for a while or hasn't needed to, can you just give like a brief overview of what that ATS is and how when you're working on your resume, talk focusing on certain keywords and why that's important? Sure. So um, an application tracking system or ATS system is what most large, all large corporations have, you know, if you're using an online application system, which they all are, right? Even middle to small companies have, you know, signed on to these. And really, it's, you know, you if you want to you see a job opportunity on LinkedIn or Indeed or wherever you're finding it, right? Or the company's website and you think, okay, I'm going to submit my resume. I'm going to upload it to the tool. And then, um, you know, I'm going to submit my information. Well, that all takes place through an ATS or application tracking system. Workday is a very popular one. For example, there are hundreds of others. I just using Workday as an example. If you've noticed, you know, if you've seen Workday in the URL, when you're, you know, when you hit on that apply link, you you might see that. So, yes. uh, And like, you know, and I was saying that you know, they're, they're usually taking that first step is looking at the taking the job description against your resume, comparing that, and then um, looking for a match, right? Usually 80% or above could you, know, you have a good chance of a human meaning a human resources representative or some sort of recruiter to take a look at your resume. So you'll want to, you know, get a match on your own uh, ways you can you know, ways you can actually, you know, get a preview of that is there are some tools online, tools like jobscan.co.co. It's a Canadian-based company. You can get a couple of scans for free. You can just get a litmus test, right, of, how, you know, what your percentage would be. Some people are shocked. They think, oh, I'm both shooing for this for this role. And, I, you know, I, I skim the resume and I'm like, let's see. Let's see for sure. I don't see some things in here that I think are in the job description. So we do. And sometimes they'd be surprised to see 50, 60%. And, you know, in highly competitive Mine were always really low. <laughs> yeah. And in, in those highly competitive situations, um, more than likely, if they have more than one candidate, you're not going to be seen, right? So you'll want to make sure that that success rate is much, much higher, right? And there are ways to tweak that. So JobScan is a great resource to do that if you haven't done that yet. But that's what they use. And that's why people get frustrated, though, um, because they can't get past the ATS or the, apl- the online right application systems and then they blame their resume or you know or the job market or you know maybe their age um you know you hear a lot of that ageism in the in the workforce um and you know even on the younger side right but a lot of times it's just trying to beat the ats you could do it it's just you know like a game yeah it well partially i mean it's the whole point of the resume is to really gain the, the interview so um, the branding statement can help you do that by being on the offensive and, and also looking at the job description for the, the roles you're applying to. Um, so, yeah, so that's the piece there. So and, you know, another big trend and also why, you know, we moved to branding statements is the other trend that we see. And this is more accelerated in the past one to two years, Amy. But employers, number two is employers are looking for candidates that want to share their whole self. Right. And meaning that it's okay to add skills other than your professional industry on your resume because it rounds you out. It makes you a human, which we all are, right? We are not robots. And, you know, more and more corporations are looking for uh, to learn more about that, you know, learn more about you, what you bring to the table, uh, because it makes for a more diverse workplace all around, right? 
Um, I'll give you a good example of this because some people say, well, I'm not, you know, sharing that I'm in a bowling league, you know, five days a week, you know, they, <laughs> and I mean, you know, or you're nurturing your flock of plants. I know, I, you know, I don't talk about my plants, but I do talk about other things. I talk about, you know, like in my brand itself, like on my resume, I talk about other things. And so, for example, I had a woman I was working with, she was like a VP level marketing executive, um, you know, recently impacted by a change at um, a gaming company. And so, she was sharing her, you know, really impressive profile. And, and and then I said, well, what do you do in your free time, right? What do you get, what gets you excited, right? And she said, well, actually, I'm a tea sommelier. And uh, she has an actual certification. It was on her LinkedIn. And I was like, that is fascinating. And I was just so impressed with that. I go, well, you're going to include that in your branding statement, right, when we update it. And she's like, really? Would you? I go, absolutely. It's a conversation opener. It's an icebreaker. And it's really cool. Just it's you know never. I don't think employers have ever expected you to not bring your whole self to work, but now it's just acceptable to actually talk about it a little bit more and right. and know that you can do that. So while I'm not you know suggesting you put you know everything on there, I mean I think so, a couple of things that are you know you're proud of, right? Whether it's volunteer volunteer work, passions you have um, outside of work that you know round you out, right? She received a certification as a sommelier. I imagine that was probably took up a lot. That was time consuming. Did it take away from her work? Absolutely not. Makes her a more diverse professional. So um, I just, you know, that is another big trend is you don't have to leave your personal life at home or all of it, should I say. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What's your comfortable sharing, you know, that you think would, would enhance your professional profile? You know, in an interview, that would also be talking about your family, um, talking about interest in hobbies outside of work right um you know that's another huge trend um and it, and it's more and more now that i say the last couple of years that has not always been a huge trend but right. that is something new i um, feel like talking about you know being a mom right that was always like a no-no like we don't want to talk we don't want people to know that we're we're moms and we have kids at home because i feel like employers sometimes think that we're not going to be working to the best of our ability because we're always going to be thinking about our kids or what, you know, or focused on, on that. When I think actually mothers are, I think great employees because they balance a lot of stuff around the household and at the office. And, you know, so I think it's an interesting shift in being able to start to talk about all of that. A working parent is, no different than any other employee in the fact that they're trying to give their best and they're all, and we're just all at different life stages, right? I mean, this is really what this podcast is all about, right? right? And and so even working dads, right? I mean, you're probably on the flip side, you know, a dad may might feel guilt potentially if he were to say, I'm going to my son's soccer game at 4.30, right? And maybe he has a meeting. But I feel like the post-pandemic world and the pandemic really, you know, opened that up for professionals and because everyone was invited into everyone's living room via Zoom, basically. So you saw children walk by, you saw, you know, the insides of their homes, you saw everything, right? And and we we all put a lot of people put their lives on display. I mean, you know, and and it just showed they're real people. We are all real people. And there's no reason why you can't talk about being a T-sommelier and, you know, as part of your as part of your professional profile and, you know, and to that be acceptable as part of, you know, who you are. So, sure. Um, so yeah, so I think that's, that's, that's 
be, that's probably more, like I said, it's much more recent, um, but I, we encourage it. It just makes for great conversation, especially in an interview. Uh, it might not be, you know, uh, your break all in the, um, in the resume portion. I know as we're talking about, but when you include it in your resume, it just gives you a lot more fodder and a lot more base to talk about it in a future interview. So. Cool. Great tip. And who knows? Maybe the person that's reading the resume, if it got through the ATS on the other side, also is into tea. And then, you know, you guys just start talking about. Yeah. Tea. Hit it off. <laughs> I'm into matcha tea these days. So maybe it caught my attention, but um, <laughs> at any rate. <laughs> but um, another thing, you know, thing we're seeing in terms of like the content of the resume, the third trend, um, and this is also not necessarily new, but it's something you should have if you haven't updated your resume in a while, is that the experience section, right? The meat and potatoes. So you've got your name, your contact information, the branding statement below it. A lot of times there's these skills that, you know, that are bulleted that we put for the ATS so that it picks up those things as part of the job description and things that you know how to do. But the uh, the next section, right, which is the, the biggest part of the resume usually is uh, and where people get tripped up the most with time and, and, and making sure it's perfect, quote unquote, is the experience section of your resume. Right. And a lot of times that, you know, used to reflect a task driven res task driven resume, meaning you try to list basically you reprint the job description that you had. Right. Right. And you would say, these are all the things I did a huge laundry list. I would, I coordinated this event. I managed this task list. I, you know, I served as, you know, the liaison to do this and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And while that's important, it's actually pretty overwhelming to read. And so what now in resumes are focused on a lot of reasons too, because employers just can't read through all of that is uh, focus on an accomplishment driven resume, right? What okay. did you do? What did you do that was, you know, you're most proud of or that, you know, really stuck out or that you were really able to make have success projects that were successful, right? And, and have that be quantifiable. If you can make that quantifiable, that's the resume gold. So but accomplishment driven, not just like everything you did, uh, because it, it just proves it provides for more stories, it provides really, you know, for what sets you apart from the other person that might have done your job. Hmm. All right. I like so for that. example, I'll give you an example. So if you said, um, let's say, so maybe you're an accountant, right? So, uh, you know, maybe you could say manage caseload of 10 clients during, you know, busy tax season. Okay. Let's just say that. That would be a, maybe a, that would be a task driven bullet on your resume. But if you were to flip it around for an accomplishment driven resume, right? You could say, Managed portfolio of the top five entertainment companies and their and their um, you know and their accounting profiles you know sat on site and was able to uh, minimize risk for these corporations by ten percent, for example. That tells me so much more than you managed you know x amount of clients and you know in your totally. staff, right yeah. So um again i'm riffing that but you know it just gives you an example of of what you can do there so just accomplishment driven percentages um you know listing clients if you can do it uh, listing corporations you know giving the amount uh you were able to minimize costs or maximize costs or maximize revenue um you know efficiencies that you're able to create business that you're able to drive um you know, all those things, you know, relevant to your industry are super, super important. 
And a lot of people say, well, oh, I just don't remember that. Or especially if they haven't done in a while, or if they're not kind of, their mind's not trained to think about that way. I said, that's okay. It doesn't have to be exact. Or maybe they say, I can't share that because, you know, it'd be proprietary. And it's, that's okay. You can estimate, right? You doubled, you tripled, you um, increased by five times. Or if you're like in sales talking about your your sales goals, right? Of how you increased your sales goal by X percent, right? Like you hit it out of the park. So yeah. And knowing those numbers, but I think that's also a good point of when you do something that you're proud of, or that you think could be something that sits on your resume to write it in or put it some, house it someplace so that like when the time comes, you know, or pop it into LinkedIn, I feel like that's an easy place so that you can always go back and pull from there, you know, for your resume and people potentially could see that. Yeah. And that's why it's like potentially a good practice to do that monthly because it's fresh in your mind. Right. Yep. But, you yep. know, knowing that that isn't always going to be the way it is, but, uh, you know, just keep that in mind as you, as you're thinking through things or, you know, a lot of times I often recommend people to pull up an old performance review, um, see what your manager said about you three years ago, ask for those. If you don't already, if you don't receive a copy of those, if you're currently employed, ask for those, um, any HR department that's, you know, and a publicly traded company is required to hold those too. So for a certain amount of years, I don't know how many. So um, if you are a part of a large corporation, you should be able to get them also Interesting. You know, from the past. And then you can, you know, you can pull those up and see, you know, the accomplishments that you did, right? If there's any record of that, it's just, makes that process so much easier, especially if it's been more than a year, right? Everyone forgets. It's, you're yeah, not, you know, I mean, yeah. everyone has amnesia. I mean, you know, and I, I always suggest to people if and if they're out of work and they can't access their old email or they're for whatever reason they can't get old performance reviews and they really just can't remember, I'll say call an old colleague or not old, but call a former colleague, call someone that you worked with, ask, let them jar your memory, what you worked on, what you did. Um, you know, it's just any any nugget in that will refresh your own memory, right? Sure, um, sure. So. That's sure. I mean, even, yeah, even going through your old calendar, if you have it, like still have a version of it to see, look at meetings and projects. And that might also spur some you know, ideas too for yourself. Those are all great tips. Okay, so let me recap. So um, I actually have, we, we said three tips for your uh-huh. resume, but I actually wrote down four. So I have your branding statement. I have uh-huh. bringing your whole self to your resume. Uh-huh. I actually wrote down, which you did not, we, we weren't originally talking about, but we talked about the ATS and that bullet of skills. Because I remember uh-huh. that when you and I were working on my resume, that was something that I did not have. I kind of had uh-huh. like a paragraph. It was a little hard for me to wrap my head around all that, but that bullet of skills for the ATS. Um, and then the experience on your resume is accomplishment driven um, and, and something that's quantifiable so that you could show how you performed in that role. And I agree with that because I think it actually opens up for conversation a little bit more. You could, you know, if someone's in social media, they could say, you know, oh, I see that you increased your use, your user following and engagement by this much. What were some of the tactics that you did? You know, so that it actually becomes more of a, like a yes, no, you know, not just a yes, no statement, but, uh, you know, now we can actually converse about it. Um, so those are all super interesting and, and really, really helpful. Are there anything, is there any other specific things that midlife professionals should look out for? So like, um, 
like tips, you know, for what to put on your resume, um, like how much work experience you should be listing, like, should you, if you volunteer experience, stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yes. If you're a listener in midlife, there's a couple things that I want to impart on you. And one of my favorite clients to work with or candidates to work with is actually someone in midlife and usually probably maybe a little bit ahead of me because I feel like a lot of those professionals from, from that, um, and that uh, era, you know, may, you know, may have been somewhere and may have been corporately loyal for 30 years, right? And this might be their first time going back into the workforce, or maybe they're doing an active retirement, right? And so I love working with those professionals, because I can really give them a, these, you know, quick tips, and they really just run with it, and they take it. So here's a couple things that I've found in working with this group and this cohort. So uh, first of all, if you're it, it can, a lot of concerns this, this group comes with me is ageism. And I've heard some horrible real stories too about how this is still occurring, which is baffling to me, but especially even after the past couple of years. However, this is what I would say. First of all, please, please limit your work experience on your resume to the last 10 to 15 years, 15 years max. So something, if you're updating your resume tomorrow, something that happened before 2007 is no longer relevant. Um, and, you know, I know that hurts sometimes because maybe some people did some of their best work in 2007, right? <laughs> but um, uh, but I would say, you know, that experience is quite dated at this point. And so while it still, you know, makes you a well-rounded professional, the, the employer that you're speaking to really wants that most recent experience, right? And so that's really all they want to know, 15 years and, and, and sooner. So focus on that. Now, is there a way that, you know, so then the next question usually is, I really want to still keep my experience, let's say they're working in product development in um, in the toy industry, but I worked in Mattel, and there's a job opening in Mattel uh, that I really want to apply to, but I haven't worked there since 2002. I would tell them, that's okay. Anything that's more than 15 years old, you could put in a separate section and you can call it additional experience. And then you can list what you did there, but you don't have to put the years. It's just additional experience, right? And you can remove those things as you see fit. Mm. So if you're not applying to Mattel, you might just want to take that off in general. But, uh, you know, it's just a nice way to include Mattel for the ATS or the application tracking system. So it does pick it up or even for, a, you know, someone who is working at Mattel to say, oh, this person's, you know, Mattel alumni, you know, I'll definitely want to talk to them, you know, maybe they, and so um, that's another way to go about putting it on your resume, however, not having to list the years. Okay. And you yeah, still have to list, you still have to list the years, right? Like that's still something that. No. 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 I mean, resume is different than LinkedIn. There's no like rules about your resume, right? You can kind of do what you want to do there, right? Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, we don't put it on there if we don't feel it's necessary because it really isn't. The year isn't necessary. Um, however, LinkedIn doesn't let you have that luxury. Right, right. <laughs> so it's, that's a little bit dicier. You know, I, I leave it up to the professional. If they feel Does it look bad if you don't put the years on? can't not put the years on the resume yeah no mm -mm. okay no interesting all right I mean as long as you have like if you know if you had one uh, I mean we're talking about midlife professionals so this person right had 20 plus years of experience so you know 
do we really, really need to know about what they did in 2000 if it's 2022? Really, no. But no. I mean, you know, if you were working for 22 years and, you know, the last 15 is the most relevant. I mean, think about how many workplace shifts there have been in 15 years. Well, and I remember, I remember years ago having a conversation with my dad, my dad, who has been working for the same agency for, you know, 30 plus years. And I remember him saying, you know, like, oh, like it looks really bad on your resume. And this is years ago. It looks really bad on your resume to like leave a job after before like a year or two, you know, like to bounce from job to job. But I feel like, that has shifted as well um, in today's world that there isn't, I think it's amazing when you do have that, right, that loyalty and or that longevity with the, com- with the company. But I also feel like sometimes you have to leave in order to, you know, continue to increase in your own skill set. Yep, um, absolutely. I mean, there's, yeah. Yeah, you know, the baby boomer generation has had a lot of different norms and, and taboos than than the current generation, even than our generation, Amy. I mean, right. yes, um, you know, people do move around a lot more. The average person changes careers, not jobs, careers three to four times. And that's our generation. I imagine that the younger generations will be more than that, um, probably hmm. five to six. Um, I mean, my, my me, myself, I've changed two or three times and I'm in my mid 40s. So, yep. um, you know, and, and that's great. It's not frowned upon you know, like it used to be. Um, however, you know, you do want to show some stretches of, you know, of being employed for a certain amount of time. So, you know, while it's, you know, not going to hurt you like to do that a few times, if you can experience some longevity somewhere instead of hopping around, you know, it's probably a good thing. I mean, you know, there's always exceptions, right? I mean, maybe someone's a nursing contractor, of course, like that's right. you know, different type of work. But, you know, I'm kind of speaking more, I guess, to people who are kind of working more for a traditional corporation as a full-time employee. But I mean, but working, work, work is the change of the face of work has changed even the last two years. It's really remarkable. We'll look back on this and really this time and really be amazed at what all changed. So yeah, it's 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 been interesting to watch that that yeah. evolve. Yeah, especially the, um, remote, the remote working really just turned everything on a dime. So yeah, so when you talk about remote, like any details on like address, email, mm-hmm. like how do you do you need a website? Like what types of things do you need to sure. link to LinkedIn? Yeah, what kinds of uh, personal details do you include yeah, now so on that's your resume? The other thing, a lot of times I'll see. I just saw a resume today with an address on it. And I was like, oh man. Got to remove that address. Your mailing, your home address should absolutely be stricken uh, from your resume for a lot of reasons. Only your city and maybe your zip code if you want to. But um, there's a ton of reasons for this. Privacy. You do not want anyone to have your address, whether it's an employer, an interviewer, uh, for so many reasons, right? You don't want them looking up your residence on Zillow. You don't want them, you know, having that for posterity, right? And it also, you know, could be used potentially in data mining. One, if that was somehow comp that resume was somehow compromised in a future data breach you don't want to do that either so uh remove that address for sure really only details contact details you need is your city just to kind of show you know where you where you call home and then your email address as well as your phone number and then you know your also your linkedin profile if you have one which i highly recommend so um but really removing all of those mailing address for sure needs to be removed um yeah pronto today. (laughs) 
Um, do you so, remember that? Ep- do you remember that episode of Friends where um, Rachel was? I mean, this is like '90s, where you know mm-hmm. she's like trying to get hired, and she's like mailing out all of her resumes. <laughs> and then there was an error on all of these like printouts. So yes, you don't have to do that anymore. No, that's the beauty. I mean, I'm about that. So yes, you don't need that information anymore. <laughs> LinkedIn profile is great. Um, you know, if you don't have one, maybe we'll do a future episode on LinkedIn. But that's a yeah, whole for other- sure. Season, but, um, but, season you know, two, I, folks. Season two. Yeah, resumes are often. Usually, people midlife really get stressed about updating their resume because maybe they haven't done it in a while, but also that they feel it's such a big task. And I know it is. Um, if I mean, I talk about these all day long. So, but it is. It's a big. It's a big job. So, but they're you know even just doing those kind of things makes people feel better. Just those little things that you can do. So, do you um, have do you have any exercises or things that you can offer our community um, if they're in a position that they need to rework their resume or rewrite or tweak? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like Amy said, this the whole idea of this. I mean, obviously, I talk resumes all day long, but you know, Amy, you know, commented on it uh, recently in her LinkedIn post. She was seeing a ton of attrition and a lot of impacting people being impacted at places like. Peloton and um, Groupon. And I mean, you know, of course, I speak to individuals all the time from different corporations. And so we thought, well, now's the time, right? Maybe we, you know, we should we should talk about resumes. It seems to be a hot topic and the great reshuffle, right, which is what was happening the last couple of years in terms of, you know, people actually some people willingly quitting their jobs last year. That was a big deal quitting their yeah. jobs uh, because they, you know, weren't happy and they wanted more purposeful work. So yeah, there's all kinds of things. Uh, play here but since the mailbox community is special and personal to me and you know we're really trying to you know support our listeners and be a good partner in the community i'm going to share a resume template it's going to be a microsoft word it's going to have generic text in it that you know anybody can go out and then update their resume with a format that includes the branding statement that includes the type of you know, contact details that includes the skills section. And, it, you know, you can see this, you know, kind of a guide and a template and you can use it and personalize it for your own. Um, so I'm going to give that out to everybody. Awesome. But, so awesome. Yeah. Where, where will, where will that live um, on our midlife website? Yeah, we're going to put a link to it on our midlife at the mailbox website. I'll also have it cross-linking to my own website, right? Cause as, as Amy mentioned, I work in private practice and, so I'm happy I offer complimentary sessions, 15-minute uh, sessions with individuals, um, whether you're in my network or not. I love to talk to professionals, see what's, what's troubling them, how I might be able to help. So um, this offer is always existing, but, you know, we're going to include a link to my website. You can set up directly on my calendar and schedule that 15-minute consult. Be happy to take a look at your resume, see where I might, you know, recommend we do some things. And then, you know, if we don't decide to work together, no problem. But if we do, you know, I, I also offer... Um, you know, coaching sessions is very customized. Uh, you know, the average session or the average person probably needs like three sessions, uh, but I can do individual sessions as well. Um, but if you want a full, the full enchilada, right, we could go six sessions and really get a lot done. So just depends awesome. where you are on your career. Yeah. So awesome, yeah, awesome. definitely the template. We're going to, we're going to, um, we're going to summarize the, the tips I had here, give the template itself, and then we'll include the link to my website. Um, you know, as a standing offer, but feel free to share it too with your network. Um, you know, love to pay it forward. Like Amy said, um, you know, even just the smallest tweaks can really matter. Um, I was talking to a gentleman today I'm working with, um, 
and he was interviewing at Amazon. And, you know, we did a lot of interview prep with him because I love interview prep. It's my, probably one of my most favorite things to do in this type of work. And so he, you know, we were going over the superpower. And I probed him on all that, you know, how are you going to answer that question? And, and he literally said it was like, he felt like it was cheating when he was interviewing an Amazon because literally the question, one of the questions was, what's your superpower? And we had gone over it. And so he, <laughs> Perfect. And he, he's like, and he shared it with a bunch of other professionals that also got impacted at the company he works at. And so I thought, yeah, you know, it just, it just, it just, that's what I do this work for. It's really to try to, you know, just those small nuggets that I can share that I've you know, collected across the years that if I can share with someone that makes their interview better, maybe hopefully lands them a job, but you know, just makes them feel more confident in the search. That's really what gets me up in the morning for this type of work. So. Awesome. 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 Um, so yeah, so per what Denise had just said, we will include a link to your resume tips in the show notes, as well as um, a template that you can use in Word. Um, and we'll include all the links to the websites and, and all that jazz um, and LinkedIn in our show notes, as well as, you know, obviously following us on social media. Um, any final tips, that you want to share with us on resumes or are we ready to wrap? I would say, I would say if there's one thing I'd leave you with is that don't try to do it all in one sitting too. Don't, I would never try to do little small increments, work on it in a half hour, an hour, walk away, go back, walk away, go back. You don't have to do it all in one sitting. It can really be overwhelming. So if you try to chunk it out like that, you'll get it done. Awesome. That's a great, great tip. Um, quotable, a quotable tip. Um, so cool. Well, Denise, thank you. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap on our resume episode this week. We will be back in two weeks for what we hope will be another insightful episode of Midlife at the Mailbox. Yes. And our show is produced by us and edited by us. And so if you love it, please, please leave us a review. We've been so humbled by everyone who's come up to us and listening. And so share our episodes with a friend and check out our show notes and you can get all sorts of great things there. Uh, any links and downloads and please join us on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest too. So uh, thank you. Thank you for letting me share. Like I said, this is what, this is what gets me excited about my type of work. So. You were glowing this whole episode. So I'll, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab a screenshot of uh, of us recording right now and and we'll post it on our social media this week. And um, yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.